Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning and uh, hope that God's going to bless you in a special way as we worship the Lord together. Uh, it's a great day to be here. I believe we've finally gotten a little break from the heat. Uh, it's very pleasant outside and it's also very pleasant in here because we've gathered in Christ's name. Uh, to worship and to fellowship together. So we welcome you here today this morning. And we welcome our guests, especially we have some guests with us today. And uh, we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship together. And uh, I'd like to call to your attention a few announcements that we have. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets that's on the uh, clipboard on the end of each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out, give us as, as much information as you feel comfortable giving us. And um and pass it down the row so others can do the same. And uh, if you could do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, some other things that we have going on. On Wednesday, we are beginning, or we have just begun, a new study on Wednesday night. And we're calling it klesis, which comes from the Greek word kaleo. And in this Bible study, we're going to be talking about our call uh, our call to follow Christ, our call to discover who we are in that relationship, as well as our call to service. Uh, so please come and join us for that. That's right after our supper time on Wednesday evenings, and we'll begin at 6.30. And it, it's going to be a, uh, it's already been a, a good study, I think. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for everyone who participates. Uh, one other thing we're starting new, next Sunday we'll be starting a new uh, a sermon series on the Beatitudes, and every Sunday we'll be taking another one of the Beatitudes. We'll be taking one of the Beatitudes each Sunday, and, um, and we're calling it uh, the Beatitudes, Unlocking the Blessings of God. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about the Beatitude, Blessed are the Poor in Spirit, uh, putting God first in our lives. So I uh, hope you'll be here for as many of these these series as you can be here for. Uh, I'd like to call uh, Phyllis McElwain up. She's uh, our Bible study director here, and uh, she's got some announcements about some uh, special things we're going to be doing in our, our Sunday morning Bible study. Good morning. Uh, Jim and I are the co-leaders for uh, the Sunday school department, and uh, he didn't want to talk this morning. He says his voice is rusty because being married to me never gets to talk. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, next Sunday we're going to. I met. We met with the Sunday school leaders a couple of weeks ago, teachers, and um, decided that we need to focus on Sunday school for a few weeks, just to remind everyone that we have a great Sunday school program, and invite people who have not attended yet to come and check us out. So next Sunday morning. We're going to expand the regular fellowship cafe that we have food over here, and we'd like for everybody to come and share some food at 930. Whether you come to Sunday school on a regular basis or not, maybe you've never been to Sunday school, this would be a good time to come and meet people and get something to eat. And then all the adult classes uh, from youth up are going to meet jointly here in the auditorium and have a joint uh praise, music, prayer, focus on Sunday school meeting. Following uh, that, next Sunday, uh, starting on the 19th, we will have one new Sunday school class added, which is going to be led by Nora Hobson, and it's uh, for the young adults. Uh, this has been a gap in our 
uh, program that we're trying to, to meet, and Nora has graciously uh, accepted that leadership. So if you are in that group and uh, have been wanting a class, uh, that will start on the 19th. Uh, we're asking people uh, for, who would be willing to get up for uh, a short testimonial uh, for three Sundays after our rally, have someone each Sunday uh, talk just briefly about, you know, why they like Sunday school. And then I will be coming around in the coming weeks and uh, asking some of you what you like about Sunday school and taking your picture. And Greg has agreed to put together a montage of pictures and comments for us to see briefly during the worship services. So our goal is to get as many people uh, checking out Sunday school and coming to Sunday school as possible. So we look forward to seeing all of you next Sunday morning in here. Thank you. Thank you, Phyllis. I uh, hope you'll be here next Sunday and the weeks ahead as we focus on our Sunday morning Bible study time. Uh, one other announcement I'd like to uh, bring to your attention, and this is by way of uh, just for your information. I want you to know that the Community Baptist Church softball team has finished the season in first place. Seven wins and one loss, only one loss. So we finished the season in champ, in, uh, as champions. We have the, uh, uh, the tournament that's coming up beginning this Thursday and next Thursday. So, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun time. So way to go softball team. Way to go. <laughs> huh? Who played on the team? Who plays on the team? I play on the team. That's why. And, and I want you to know, isn't that enough? And I want you to know that the only game they lost was a game that I wasn't there at. <laughs> I don't think it says anything, dear. <laughs> uh, but we, we are happy for that. Let's stand up and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Great and mighty is the risen Lord, great and 
There's a peace I've come There's a peace A little technical difficulty there Here, Try it again We'll do that one next week. Children, let's come on down. Miss Royce has got our children's moment. Everybody hear me okay? Yeah. Yes? Okay. You did too. Today, Dr. Tim's going to talk about second chances. Do we know what that is? That's right. That's very good. Yay. Sometimes, <laughs> do, do you sometimes get in trouble at home and your mom or dad gives you a second chance? Yeah. Do we have friends that we, or brothers and sisters that we get into fights with? And, and you become, and you become not friends, but then pretty soon you give them a second chance or they give you a second chance and you become friends again? Well, I'm going to tell you a real quick little story. I brought somebody very special with me today. Well, I just brought her up from back there in the chairs. <laughs> this is my sister, Valeda. 
And she can come sit over here by me if she wants to, but she doesn't want to. She's going to stay right there. A long time ago, we used to get not get along at all. And there was a couple years where we didn't even talk to each other because we had fights. But somehow, God gave somebody to us that pulled us back together. And that gave us a second chance at being sisters. <laughs> and I love my sister very much. And now I don't know what I would have done without her. I don't know how I did it for two years without her. So even though you, fight, you don't always behave with mom and dad and they give you second chances because they love you. Your friends and you give your friends second chances because you like your friends. Well, God is always there with us. And no matter what we do, no matter how bad we are, if we ask God, he will always give us a second chance. So you guys remember that, okay? God will always give us a second chance. And if we need it, a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and on and on and on. Would you guys like to say a little prayer for me with me today? Okay, let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for these children that you have brought to us today. And I thank you for the world of second chances. For if it weren't not for the second and third and fourth and fifth chances, none of us would be able to be into your eyes and be next to you when that day comes. We thank you for the love and the worship of our family, of our Christian family, of our friends. And we just ask that you continue to give us second chances. But at the same time, open us up. Open our hearts up to give out those second chances. And with this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll try this again now. We, th we think we've got the right track this time. This is our second chance. That's right. There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No more sorrow, no more pain I will rise on eagle's wings before my God, fall on my knees and rise. I will rise. There's a day that's drawing near. 
when the darkness breaks to light and the shadows disappear and my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed the victory is won he is risen from the dead and I will rise when he calls my name no more sorrow no more pain I will my God fall on my knees and rise I will rise and I hear the voice of many angels sing worthy is the Lamb
please be seated. Our scripture lesson is taken from the book of Philemon. Our scripture lesson is the book of Philemon. So sit back. We're going to read the whole book. Almost. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always give thanks, my God, because of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may, be, may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you from my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, Charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, I too always thank you. As I remember in my prayers, the saints in this room, for they have been your faithful servants. I give you thanks for their faith, for their ministry, for the joy they bring to me. I ask you to encourage them in love and in good deeds. I hold them to you, O God, giving you thanks. 
In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Most wonderful and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you the ultimate and almost praise here this morning. Lord, help us put down the things, the people, the ideas that pull us down and give right now our lives, your tithes, and our offerings this morning. In your most holy and precious name we do pray. Amen. Amen.
It is always interesting to get a glimpse into the uh, world of the Bible. And when we do, we realize very quickly that these men and women who we find there are very much like ourselves. However, they lived in a culture that was quite different from ours. For one thing, biblical people lived in a society that condoned the owning of slaves. Now, of course, the same thing could be said of our own society up until about 150 years ago. And as in our own nation, to be a runaway slave was a serious event. Well, today's scripture is about one such runaway slave, a man named Useful. That's what his name means anyway, Useful. But we know him as Onesimus. Paul is writing from prison, probably in Rome, and somehow under Paul's influence, this runaway slave has become a follower of Jesus Christ. And it is clear that Paul has become quite fond of of Onesimus. But Paul has a dilemma because, you see, legally, Onesimus belongs to a man named Philemon. And coincidentally, Philemon also happens to be a good friend of Paul's. He lives in Colossae. And Philemon is is also a devout follower of Christ. In fact, uh, he is the leader of a church that, that meets in his house. So here's Paul's dilemma. Should he send his friend Onesimus back to Philemon as the law requires? He knows that runaway slaves could be put to death, or at least suffer harsh punishment. And you may think, well, this is no dilemma at all. I mean, Philemon is a Christian, and so is Onesimus, so case closed, right? Well, I wish it were that simple. Because unfortunately, many Christians all throughout the centuries have been able to to rationalize some terrible things, such as the owning of slaves including some of our own ancestors and heroes of our nation, like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Many otherwise devout Christians here in our very land owned slaves and seemingly thought nothing of it. And we may not understand how anybody could rationalize such behavior, but it's amazing how many things can be rationalized in the name of religion. Besides, Philemon was a part of a society that condoned the owning of slaves. And, and so he, if he acted kindly towards Onesimus, how would he be treated by his friends who were probably also slave owners? The point is that this issue may seem to be cut and dried for us. But for them, in that day, in that time, it was not a cut and dried issue at all. In fact, it was a tremendously difficult dilemma. And even worse, it seems that Onesimus may have stolen something from Philemon before he ran away. And so Philemon may have many good reasons for not feeling very favorable towards Onesimus. But Paul wanted to do the right thing here, and he also wanted to give Philemon the opportunity to do the right thing as well. 
And so Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon with a letter. This letter that Mary read just a few moments ago, the book of Philemon. And in this letter, he asked Philemon to welcome Onesimus back, not as a slave as he previously was, but as a brother in Christ. Paul even makes a little play on words with regard to Onesimus's name. He says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful, Onesimus, both to you and to me. Remember that the, the name Onesimus means useful. Now, Christ has done that for millions of people down through the ages, hasn't he? Christ has changed people from being useless to useful. And so basically what Paul is asking Philemon to do here is to give Onesimus a second chance. And my friends, the Christian faith is all about second chances. It is a faith of second chances. I hope you understand that. That's at the very heart of the gospel. That's at the very heart of our theology. That's what the the cross of Christ is all about. We were all, every single one of us, useless at one time or another. But Christ gave his life in order to make us useful for God. And you don't have to be a criminal or a prostitute or a runaway slave in order to qualify for this second chance. Sometimes you can be wealthy and educated and cultured while at the same time being prideful and snobbish and condescending. And you still can qualify for that second chance because second chances are the reason that Jesus came into this world. I heard about the police stopping a teenage girl in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, a while back. And it, it seems that, that there was there had been some complaints about a car that had been riding around her neighborhood in reverse. So the police pulled this young girl over and the girl told the police that her parents had let her use the car. And I'm not really sure if that's a truth or not, but the parents had let her use the car, but she would put too many miles on the car. And so she was just trying to unwind some of what she had done. Does that really work? I don't know. Well, you know, I, I just bet that that. Most of us have some part of our lives that we would like to rewind as well, don't we? And if driving around and around the block in, in reverse would expunge our record, I would I just imagine that many of us were ready to go out to that uh, parking lot and rev up our engines. But something more is needed than that. We need the faith that gives us second chances. Francis Hubbard once served as a chaplain at the McLean Hospital in Belmont, Massachusetts. Now, the McLean Hospital is the psychiatric wing of the Massachusetts General Hospital. And during the time that he served as chaplain there, he learned that that an unusually high percentage of those people undergoing treatment for alcoholism and drug addiction 
had received significant religious training as a child. But the vast majority of these alcoholics and and addicts received this one message in their religious training. And that message was this. One mistake and you're going to hell. That's the kind of message that most of these patients had heard as a child. One mistake and you're going to hell. And so as one patient explained to Hubbard, since we're all going to hell, we might as well enjoy the ride. It seems that the God that they had been given as children was a God without grace and without forgiveness and without redemption. And that God is too small, says Hubbard. The real God in Christ forgave those who crucified him while he hung there on that cross. The real God in Christ offered paradise to the thief who repented while on the cross beside him. The real God in Christ is a God of grace and a God of forgiveness who offers people second and third and fourth chances. In golf, it's called a mulligan. I'm sure that the golfers in our congregation are familiar with that term, though I'm sure that most of you never have to use one. A mulligan, simply put, is a do-over. You hit a bad shot, take a mulligan and replay the stroke. And, and, And you have to understand that a mulligan isn't really legal under the rules of golf. Mulligans are are most often used in a a friendly game of golf when you're playing with your buddies there. But or or sometimes during a charity tournament, mulligans are sometimes sold to benefit the charity. You know, you pay a little money there to get two or three mulligans aside there. But but fortunately, you and I don't have to pay God for second chances. And that's because of something called grace. Amazing grace. Second chances are at the very heart of the Christian faith. And the reason why is because that's who God is. However, sometimes the biggest obstacle to people receiving a second chance is the attitude of fellow Christians. I mean, think about it. Just because because a person bears the name of Christ does not mean that that person bears the heart of Christ. Pastor Stephen Fetter tells about a female friend of his who went through a divorce. And the woman's father was a very strict fundamentalist pastor. And so when she moved out of her home and filed for divorce, against her husband, her father refused to talk to her again. She was never welcomed into his church again. Her family cut her off and acted as if she were dead. It seemed that in their eyes, her divorce brought shame on their family and was to them an unforgivable sin. Someone has said that the Christian army is the only army that shoots their wounded. You know something? That's true sometimes, isn't it? 
And sometimes the critical, judgmental, unforgiving attitudes of fellow Christians hinder people who are in need of a second chance. As Ambrose Bierce once wrote, there are two classes of people, the righteous and the unrighteous, and the classifying is usually done by the righteous. And so often that's true. But ultimately, God's business is the business of forgiveness. God's business is the business of second chances. And that should be our business as well. Barry Bailey tells of two of his closest friends, Gene and William Tucker, William is the, the chancellor at Texas Christian University, and there was a, an article in the Fort Worth newspaper a while back that featured the Tuckers and, and how they came to terms with the fact that, that Gene's oldest nephew had died of AIDS. Rather than try to hide this tragedy, Gene said, I'm going to make it public. But what made her decide to, to tell this story was that, that after her nephew's funeral, someone came up to her trying to comfort her, And the person said, I'm so sorry. And Jean thanked the person. And then the person said, what did he die of? And and Jean replied, he died of AIDS. And the other person said, well, I'm sorry anyway. Now, I'm I'm, I'm sure that this other person didn't mean to be hurtful. When he or she said, I'm sorry anyway. It's just that in in so many people's minds, it's so much easier to, to condemn death by AIDS in a way that they would never condemn death by cigarettes or death by fast driving or death by overeating or a host of other ways that we hasten our demise. But fortunately, God doesn't label people like that. God only has one label that God puts on every one of God's children. And that label is forgiven. My friends, our faith is a faith of second chances, even if sometimes religious people can be the biggest obstacles to people seeking those second chances. And I hope that you understand that in our story for today, Philemon is being given a second chance just as well as Onesimus is. How did Philemon respond to to Paul's request that he be be lenient with Onesimus? Did Did he have his former slave punished? Did he cave in to his the peer pressure of his friends and his fellow slave owners? Did he grant Onesimus his freedom so that he might return to to help Paul with his ministry? I hope so, but we really don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us what Philemon did. We do know that a number of years after this letter was written, another letter was written that mentions the gracious bishop of Ephesus, and his name was Onesimus. And legend has it that this Onesimus, the former slave of Philemon, was one and the same as the bishop of Ephesus. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I would like to think that it is true. 
not just for the sake of Onesimus, but also for the sake of Philemon. For you see, this was a test of Philemon's conversion, wasn't it? He obviously bore the name of Christ. But the question was, did he bear the heart of Christ? And that's a question that I think each of us need to ask ourselves today. I I suspect that each of us has someone within our own sphere of influence that we're a bit hard on. It may be a family member or a neighbor or a co-worker or a fellow church member. At some time or another, this person has hurt us in some way or betrayed us or offended us. And, and we have a hard time forgiving that person. We're not mean. We, we act civilly towards them. But, but deep down, we're distrustful and resentful. Or maybe we have a hard time keeping it from showing. Or, and maybe it does show. Maybe our temper flares more with that person or more easily with that person than it does with others. Maybe we think to ourselves that that person doesn't deserve a second chance. Maybe they don't. But neither did we deserve a second chance when Christ forgave and accepted us. So maybe it's time for us to reconsider and bring that person's situation before God and let God decide. And it may be the hardest thing that a Christian is called upon to do to forgive someone who has done us wrong. But, you know, we see in the New Testament that that is exactly what Christ has called upon us to do. And it's not an easy thing. Mahatma Gandhi once said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attitude of the strong and he's right. And so the question is, are you strong enough to forgive today? Are you strong enough to give someone else a second chance? Do you really and truly have the heart of Jesus Christ within you? On Thursday morning, November the 21st, 2002, as the sun was peeking over the horizon in the port city of Sidon in southern Lebanon, Bonnie Penner Weatherall was up early. On this day, she was going to work at a prenatal clinic that offered medical services to Muslim women from a nearby refugee camp. And tensions were running high because of events elsewhere in the Middle East. And Americans in general and missionaries in particular were warned of of, uh, potential danger. But Bonnie and her husband, Gary, had had come to Lebanon with a burden to serve Christ in this Muslim country. Then at about 8 o'clock in the morning, Bonnie answered a knock at the door of the clinic. Authorities can only surmise what happened next. Evidently, a man hit her in the face and in the chest and then shot her three times in the head, killing her instantly. When Gary heard the news, he ran as fast as he could to the clinic. But by the time he arrived, the, the police had, gone, had come and the gunman was nowhere to be found. Gary tried to fight his way into the room where his, li- his wife lay in a pool of blood, but the police would not let him go in. And the next day, the London Times carried a report on the murder, and it quoted Gary as saying that he had forgiven his wife's 
killers. On the long flight home, while accompanying his wife's body to America, Gary came to a simple conclusion. He said that God had told him that there is a seed that has been planted in your heart. You can either hate and be angry or you can forgive. And I choose to forgive, he says. Paul sent a letter by way of a runaway slave. And he asked Philemon to give this man a second chance. Did he? I hope so. And if there is someone to whom we need to give a second chance, I pray that we will be strong enough to do so as well. After all, Christ has certainly given us many, many chances. That's the nature of his grace. And the Bible tells us that we are to be merciful as our father in heaven is merciful. And so I only hope that we can say that with all honesty about ourselves. That we are merciful in our dealings with other people. So is it time for you to give someone else a second chance today? Or maybe it's time for you to take the second chance that Christ offers to you. Ours is a faith of second chances. Would you take yours today? Amen. We're going to sing together number 312, Softly and Tenderly. There may be someone here today who really needs that second chance. And the good news is that God is here to give it to you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what direction you've taken in your life. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now in your life. What matters is that God loves you very, very much and wants to have a very special relationship with you. And that forgiveness, that redemption, that second chance is available to you right now. So maybe it's time for you to take that and to take advantage of that love and that grace that God has to offer to you. Perhaps you're looking for a church to be a part of. We We invite you to come and unite with our church. And this is the kind of church that we strive to be. We strive to be a church that that does not bring judgment upon someone. We try to be a church that um, looks for the best in people and forgives our shortcomings because God has forgiven us and called us to be merciful. God's dealing in your heart in any way today. We invite you to come as we sing together softly and tenderly. Would you come?
God who loves the world so very, very much. We have been in this place to meet you. And you have been here to meet us. We have come here knowing not only that we are loved by you. But also that we have so much love to give away. And so help us to decide what to do with this precious gift of love that you've given to us today. We can hold it tightly instead of loving others. Or we can open our hands to see where your love will take us. And that's risky, God. For it may take us to places that we don't want to go. And it may call for a confidence and a strength that we do not know if we have. But God, when we really care, we can do nothing less than to open the arms of faith and to open our literal arms to welcome the stranger and the friend into our lives. Help us, O God, to offer your grace to others as you have offered your grace to us. Amen. Amen.